Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you. So good to see you. So good to know that all of you are watching online, too. I want you guys in the room to know that hundreds of people watch online, and um, that's a really exciting uh, opportunity, too, for you to join us and for all of us to gather and worship. So I have a question for all of you. Have you ever opened the Bible looking for answers only to become more and more confused? Asking yourself sometimes, is it even worth it to try to engage this ancient book? I mean, we're not even six chapters in, and we're like, what? How's there a talking snake? Seriously. Why did Cain kill his brother? I mean, they're some of the first people on earth. Is the Tower of Babel even real? What part of these stories are the answers to my life's problems. Seriously. Or maybe we've been told by somebody, or more than one somebody, that we can't believe in both science and the Bible. We have to choose. Or maybe we've been told that if we don't believe that a literal man named Jonah was literally swallowed by a literal whale for three literal days, we're heretics, or worse. Some of us have had parts of the Bible used against us or against people we love like a weapon. And it really is, it's hard to know what to do with all of this. I mean, what kind of book is this? Is the Bible even readable? Is it worth it to engage the Bible anymore. If you've been with us these last few weeks, you've heard that many of our younger friends are asking, and I, and you know, older friends too, to be honest, uh, we're asking the, is it worth it anymore question about quite a few things related to faith. And that's why we're doing this series. We want to be really honest about what people are struggling with. I mean, we have come through some strange times, my friends, We're still in them. And the church has not always had her finest hour, if we're honest. Some Christ followers, maybe even us, have been mean and nasty. And that leaves us perplexed and sad. What are we supposed to do with that? We have watched at times the church be a source of division rather than unity a source of hatred rather than love. And it makes some of us wonder, is it really worth investing in this Jesus following anymore? Is investing in the church worth it? Is following the gospel of Jesus worth it? Is pursuing my faith worth it? And this morning's question, is it worth it to engage the Bible? And my answer to that question, just to give away my punchline here, my answer to that question as a person who has wrestled with and questioned and engaged with the Bible for the last 40 or more years, my answer to that question is yes. Yes, it's worth it to engage the Bible, but only if we engage the Bible for what it is rather than trying to make it 
into something it's not. See, the Bible is not a problem-solving manual for any issue we might face. It doesn't read like the instruction booklet that came with my new blender. It doesn't read like the manual that came with Chuck's, that's my husband, Chuck's new chainsaw. There's no index in the back, right, where we can flip and find answers to questions like, why is my marriage a mess? Why, why isn't the baby sleeping through the night? See page 42, <laughs> right? Should I get a COVID vaccine? How do I fire someone at work? <laughs> Chapters one through six, right? It's just not like that. The Bible is, however, the primary place where you and I can find the deep, ancient, relevant wisdom of our creator. But it is not an easy answer book. It's just not. And we need to stop treating it that way and telling people that it is. It is, however, the place where we can practice tuning and training our ears to hear the voice of God for our lives. The Bible is not a novel, right? Start at the front, find the plot, it will all flow in chronological order. Have you tried that? You get to Leviticus and you wonder what on earth is happening here? This is not how the Bible works. And this is where we often get into real trouble. The Bible is this God-breathed, God-inspired collection of writings with different authors. Many of these books and letters are written in different genres from all different kinds of perspectives. Did you know that you do not have to start at the beginning of the Bible to read it? I suggest... If you have never engaged the Bible and you want to start or you want to start afresh, start with, the, start with the Psalms, this ancient prayer book. Or start with the Gospel of John. It's in the New Testament, the story of Jesus' life. The Bible is not a science textbook. We do not have to choose between science and the Bible, friends. The discipline of science was developed in the 17th century, hundreds and hundreds of years after the Bible was written. And when we try to force the Bible to be a scientific text, we create false binaries that push people away, especially our young people, force a competition between theology and science when these two beautiful disciplines are meant to be deep friends. You don't have to choose between the Bible and science. The Bible is ancient and timeless. Ancient and timeless. So we need to not try to make the Bible fit into our 21st century Western paradigms is not going to work. When we do that, we try to explain away all the confusing and difficult, mysterious parts when those are things we're meant to wrestle with. 
this book. The most read, at least allegedly, we tell people we read it, right? The most read, the most translated, the most published, often the most misunderstood book in all of human histories, if we're honest about it, is a great and beautiful and profound mystery. A mystery, but a mystery that the Bible itself, I took out my bookmark, so now I'm going to stand up here and look for the book of Hebrews. I kind of hate my life right now. Oh, there it is. I had a dream about this last night, and I felt in that moment that it was coming true. Um, The Bible is a mystery, but it says about itself, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews 4, verse 12. The word of God, that doesn't just mean the Bible, right? Jesus is called the word of God. God himself spoke uh, all of creation into being. This is, this is the, the, the words, the thoughts, the mind of God, which is also, this is the written word of God. The word of God is alive and it's active. And we need to remember that. And I was reminded of that this last couple weeks, we were having trouble with our internet, as one does, and the Mediacom guy came to our house. This was two Saturday mornings ago. Turns out the Mediacom guy speaks Hebrew. Turns out he lived in Israel for a time. Turns out he wants to talk to Chuck and me about the Bible. He fixes our internet problem, praises. And as he was leaving, I mean, we had a long morning together. As he was leaving, he, he stopped in our kitchen doorway, and the Saturday morning fall sunlight was streaming around him. He looked like an angel, the Mediacom guy. And he turned around, and for some reason in that moment, he just decided he wanted to tell us about this ancient Jewish way of engaging scripture that he had learned in Israel. And, I mean, if music could have played, it would have. I knew, because this has happened to me over and over again, this was one of those weird holy moment things that God does when I'm trying to write a teaching, which is what I was doing that morning when the internet guy showed up at our house. Okay, and this is what he said. This is what Nate, the internet guy, said to us. He said, first of all, when the Jewish rabbis would study the scriptures, they say there's the peshat, there's the surface meaning. Okay, there's what you read on the page, this surface level meaning. And sometimes that's clear to us when we're reading the Bible, and sometimes we don't get it right away, but those words on the surface mean something. And then he said this other Hebrew word, which I'm sure I'm, you know, messing up, but remez, which means then there's this deeper meaning. In the text, there's this meaning under the meaning of the actual words. And this is where digging and exploring and learning and wrestling with the text tends to bring up gold. This is where wisdom comes from. And listen, we don't have to be Bible scholars to find the deeper meaning. We really don't. Because often the the meaning below the meaning comes to us when we do the third step, which the Mediacom guy described. It's called darash. It means this is the step where you take the text, 
the surface meaning and the deeper meaning, and you let it intersect with your life. He says this is where you bring what you read in the Bible into our ordinary days, into our ordinary problems, into all of the stuff we face about being human, all of the stuff that all of us brought in here in our hearts and minds this morning. Broken hearts, confused minds, wondering what on earth life is about. He said this is the place where the Bible starts to become living and active and begins to make a whole bunch of sense. This is where we get to the good stuff that bubbles underneath the surface, below the surface. And then he said this thing to us. He said, then, after the rabbis explore the surface meaning, after the rabbis explore the meaning below the meaning and then try to connect the scripture with their daily life, he said, often, what the rabbis say next is that they are left with this Hebrew word, sowed. And he said to us, the rabbis just say to each other, After we do our best with the text, we say to each other, it's sowed. This is the mystery of God. This is the part of the Bible where God reveals the fact that he knows more than we can ever comprehend. And so we just leave the mystery in his hands. And I just stood there in stunned silence. The Mediacom guy was God's messenger to me that morning about the Bible. And I think God wanted me to bring this concept to all of you. To think about how we can engage the Bible for what it is, not what it isn't. So a while ago, I memorized Psalm 23, which many of you know at least the first parts to. Right, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. And on and on it goes. So I was reading this book. Uh, which suggested that we memorize Psalm 23 in order to help embed in our hearts the truth that God is good and that God is trustworthy and God is generous even when life is hard, right? This, This reminded me of this truth, right? That the word of God is alive and active. The author of that book wanted us to embed the word of God in our hearts and minds. And one of the ways that we do that is to commit a piece of it, of it to memory. Now listen, I'm not usually a Bible memorizer, okay? I didn't grow up Baptist, y'all. I didn't go to Awana when I was little. But you know what I learned by doing this? That the deeper meaning of the words in the Bible can start to be revealed when I do more than just read it. I needed to find a way to take it into my days. And so I memorized it slowly but surely, slowly but surely. If you can memorize lines to a song, friend, you can memorize Psalm 23. Right, so the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. On the surface, the Peshat, right, it's a beautiful poem. It just rolls off the tongue. No wonder it's read at funerals. 
or at bedsides of people who are sick or when people are struggling. It is a guide to prayer. If you struggle to pray, memorize Psalm 23. It is filled with beautiful words and phrases. That is just the surface, friends. There's always more bubbling underneath. Right? So below the surface, this deeper meaning, this remez part of Psalm 23, we scratch a little deeper and we see that God, through King David, is saying to anyone who reads this text today, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God is saying to to us, to me, to you, I am good and trustworthy and generous even when life is hard. The Lord is my shepherd. God is caring and watchful over you like a shepherd watches his sheep. I shall not want. God wants us, me, you, to be content in him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I love that. Go lie down in a green pasture right now. Some of you need to do that today. He makes me rest. And when I trust in his care, I can find a certain kind of stillness in my soul. He leads me beside the still waters. And when I'm scared and life is hard, I don't have to fear evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Right? Because God is with me, providing for me, even when I feel surrounded by enemies. No matter what, I can rest confidently forever in God's good care, right? These things are all the meaning below the meaning. And then I take that scripture, the surface and the below the surface, into my everyday life. I do this dirash part where I take the text into my life and then I keep my eyes and my ears open, right? Take the earbuds out. Take the phone away from my eyes, right? This is the way that you see God. And I remember, I remember that God's word is alive and it's active and that God himself, through his word, wants to intersect his spirit, his wisdom with my life, with your life. We engage the Bible and we keep our eyes open. So here's how that experiment with Psalm 23 intersected with my life. Right around the time I was memorizing Psalm 23, our family traveled overseas to visit one of our daughters who was studying there. She did a study abroad semester. 30 hours of travel time with very little sleep, and once we landed in this country that I had never been to, we immediately got on a train that took us through the countryside to our final destination. We were all exhausted. When all of a sudden, the train stopped for a long time. I mean, like hours. No explanation. It just stopped. Turns out this country was experiencing massive flooding and the train was approaching a rickety bridge over a raging river. We could, we could see this. All the villagers were out looking at this bridge and this river and our train and apparently the engineers were uncertain <laughs> if our train could make it over the bridge. So we were going to stop there and ponder this for a while. 
Are you even kidding me? So here we are, tired American travelers, all of our money in our backpacks. We had already be, been approached by some dudes on the train who were really nice, but who were trying to trick us out of our money. Uh, we were surrounded by lovely people whose language we could not speak, whose culture we did not understand. And we didn't know the little Shiree family, if our train was gonna make it across a bridge spanning a raging river, right? No worries. We're just gonna sit here and ponder our existence. So I'm in the train, looking out the window, and my fearful mind drifted to Psalm 23 because I had been memorizing it. And I thought to my scared self, now seems as good a time as any to recite this verse, right? So I start to recite it to myself as I stared out the window at this lush, green, flooded countryside. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And true story, I am not telling you a lie. As I was reciting Psalm 23 and looking out the window of this train, I saw a literal shepherd who looked very much like this man walking down the green pasture right next to a little stream that was calm and gorgeous and bubbling down the hillside over stones and rocks. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And even though I walk through what I think is going to be the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, right? I mean, in that moment, it was as if God himself descended into that train and was saying through his word to me, Alice, I am your shepherd. And just as that literal shepherd outside your window is caring for and watching over his sheep, so I care for you and everyone else on this train. I see you. I'm with you. I feel your fear. You are fine. For the word of God is alive and active, friends. And there is a surface meaning Got to open the book to read it. There is a deeper meaning. Got to wrestle with it a little bit. There is the darash where you bring it actually into your life. And then, and then, and then. There is the sod, the secret, the mystery. And I don't know why this happened to me on this train. I don't know why the ancient Psalm King David wrote 3,000 years ago is so timeless. Do you know why it's so timeless? No, you don't, so don't think you do. I don't know exactly why King David wrote the Psalm. We don't always need to know all the answers, friends. We can't, and that's okay. In fact, this should be a huge relief. But here I was on a train over a rushing river and God used these ancient timeless words to speak to me. And it brings me so much relief that this is true and we can find rest here. That the Bible is a mystery but that it is living and it is active. Is it worth it to engage the Bible anymore? I say yes. Why? 
Because that image of my family in a land not our own, on a stalled train in a flooded countryside, about to try to travel across a rickety bridge over a raging river is a pretty good picture, right, of how life feels to us sometimes. Any of you feel that way this morning? On a train headed to who knows where. That's how life feels. Beautiful, but dangerous. An adventure, but so full of the unknown. So uncertain. Confusing. So much so that we often feel lost and afraid in our lives and we wonder what on earth is going to happen next. Or even if your life feels pretty good right now, congratulations, uh, even if your life feels like you're happy tourists on a safe bullet train traveling through gorgeous countryside, no floods, no rickety bridges in sight, either way, the Bible in your life can be alive and active, and in it you can find the ancient wisdom of God. But without the habit of engaging the Bible, of letting it into our lives, you and I can find ourselves like sheep without a shepherd in this world. Unable to hear the one voice above all voices that can actually speak wisdom, hope, and courage to us when we can't find it anywhere else. Without engaging the Bible, I don't know about you, but I can forget like this that God is good and trustworthy and generous even when life is hard. And we can forget when life is smooth that God has bigger plans for us than merely our own comfort. So there's the surface, there's the deeper meaning, there's your very real life, and when we get confused when we try to engage the Bible, and we will, and when we doubt what we're reading, and we will, and that's okay, and when we cannot understand why something is even in the Bible, and we will, and when we wonder as we're reading it, what on earth, and we will, we can whisper to ourselves, ah, that's the sword, that's the secret. That's the mystery. And so is the fact that you never know if the Mediacom guy is a messenger from God. This, this book is alive and active, friends, and it's ready to intersect with your life if you will engage it. And I know Brenna mentioned it, um, but... Carla and Julie Cameron and I are leading a class this, starting this Thursday called Engage the Bible, where we're actually going to uh, engage the Bible, and we're going to have fun, and we are going to dig in, and there's going to be no questions that can't be asked, and I think Brenna might have said there's seven, there's seven places left. So you guys at home, quick, run to your computer, sign up, you'll beat out everybody here. Um, I hope to see some of you there. And if you don't get in this time, we'll probably offer it another time because we believe that engaging the Bible is really, really worth it anymore. I'm gonna pray. And we're gonna sing our hearts out to the God who wants to speak to us through his written word. Let's pray.
Um, God, thank you that you didn't leave us adrift. Thank you that uh, you inspired, you breathed out through regular people like us this inspired word of God that is living and active and through which we can hear your voice and find your wisdom. But it's going to take some work on our part. Everything good takes some effort. And so I pray this morning that each one of us was inspired, perhaps, motivated, encouraged, convicted to take one next step, to engage the Bible in a fresh way, maybe by opening it for the first time, maybe by reopening it and starting with the Psalms or the Gospel of John, maybe joining with friends to dig in a little bit more deeply, not because we worship the Bible, because we don't. We worship you, God, and your voice can be found here, and we need your wisdom now more than ever. I pray this all in Jesus' good and powerful and active and alive name. Amen.